and welcome in film fans. This is the SDFD, the second day film podcast. Thanks for listening. This is your host back in the hosting chair, Evan Dean. We're happy to be with you on this Wednesday, the 27th of June, 2018. I'm happy to be back with you guys. I took a little vacation with the family down in the Caribbean, enjoyed some pina coladas, some sunshine. But, uh, you know, I'm back and I'm ready to talk movies with you guys. I've got the usual crew, Sam, the popcorn correspondent. What's up, Corn? I don't know. I think we should have just got an invite and did the podcast on the Caribbean is what I'm thinking, you know, with a beach ball and a colada in hand. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a bad idea. What do you think, champ? I think that would have been a good idea, man, but uh, I'm over here uh, speaking of drinks. I'm pouring a little, little bit out right now for the dinosaurs that we lost there on uh, Isla Nublar. I'm a little bit sad right now. Yeah. One for the homies. Hey, I mean, a lot of dinosaurs died, spoiler alert, uh, in the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's our featured review today. Of course, this is the second film in the reboot uh, trilogy. It's technically the fifth film in the entire Jurassic Park franchise, Going to get to that in a little bit, and we're going to start with popcorn problems today. We're talking about the best way to watch a television series. Should you juggle multiple shows at once? Maybe just focus on one series? Do you binge watch shows? What does it mean to binge watch? Going to be tackling all those questions, because I think, you know, that's, these are really important questions with oh, yeah. streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, you can just knock out shows in one swoop. 2018 problems, Dean. First, first, uh, first world, 2018, that's, uh, that's the issues we deal with here today. <laughs> I know. First world problems. Uh, and, and, you know, before we get to all that, though, uh, you know, <laughs> since it is 2018, we've got like eight social media avenues that you can connect with us. And we want you to do that. Champ, take it away. Yeah. On Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Gmail. We tell you every week. We are the Second Day Film Podcast. Go ahead and search any of those avenues and you'll find us there. Uh, mostly on Facebook is where we share some of our uh, um, some, some movie-related stories. Yeah. Polls. Uh, polls. We put trailers up there. We put all sorts of different kind of stuff up there. Um, but SoundCloud and iTunes, if you want to get any of our old shows, that's where they are. And also at www.secondayfilm.com. Alright guys, you ready to jump into today's pod? Boom, 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 boom. Let's do it. So, Popcorn Problems coming up. This is one of my favorite segments. We've had some really good debates here, guys. And we haven't had one of these in a while. And because I'm such a dedicated podcast, not only host, but a fan, I listened to last week. And Sam, you know, mentioned, hey, you know what I want to do from now on? I want to focus on just one show at a time. And not be spread out among numerous shows. So it kind of begs a good question, right? You know, should you be juggling multiple shows? Should you be focusing on just on one, you know, binge watching? It's kind of a very broad debate. Um, so I'm just going to start right with you, Sam, because this is something that you brought up. What are your thoughts on this? Because it's something that we all think about, especially millennials. Yeah. Well, it was, a, it was a decision I made after I was a juggling multiple shows it, it started to get to the point where it was too convoluted i was you know didn't know what was going on in which you, i get halfway through and then i start a new show and then next thing you know what i have to rewatch everything just to catch back up to see where i'm at so i kind of sat myself down you know long long trips in the car and was like i just gotta find the show bear through it 
you know, because I know, like, when I lived with Champ here, he would watch Arrow and the Green Lantern and Gotham, which I have no idea why, and he would just always have one of those on, but they have so many seasons, though, so I was like, because everyone's always asked me, have you watched Dexter? No, never have. Have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? Anarchy? No, never have, you know, and I'm like... Those are shows that I should really get into. Westworld just came out with season two. You've always, you've said that a few pods now. I had I didn't even get to finish number one, yeah. mainly because HBO got cut out because I only had a three month free trial. But after that, <laughs> there's no reason to why I shouldn't finish these shows. And some of them are so good yeah. that I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna change my own ways, you know, and focus on one. I I, I just I think I I did that with Riverdale. And I, I mean, I still have my other shows like Law and Order SVU. I'll watch that just as a background kind of thing, just because I've seen them all really, and it's just fun to watch. Like if nothing's on, but when it comes to actual shows that people are like, "Hey, you need to watch," or my girlfriend and I will, you know, what are we gonna watch next? I want to just watch one show and finish out. I don't know if you guys agree. For the record, I never watched a Green Lantern show. I watched The Flash in Arrow. Oh. Uh, they have not made it. I don't think any studio wants to touch Green Lantern after that Ryan Reynolds debacle. Oh, well, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, we, Deadpool, saw, we saw Deadpool take care of him a couple weeks ago. Anyways, spoiler alert. I used to watch him. I used to go with what you did, Sam. I used to watch them one at a time because I felt like it was able to... You could focus on one thing. You could, you could really take in the show and think about it from an episode-to-episode basis. But with the emergence of things like Amazon Prime, HBO Go, Netflix, Hulu, plus all the shows we already have on network television um, and cable, there's just too much to watch for me to be able to do that. If you want to catch up, you kind of do have to watch everything at once. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. A few years back, actually, when I was single and I, I lived alone. <laughs> this is so nerdy. You're but not I, single right now? Uh, no, of course not. I'm uh, engaged and happily engaged, I must say. Congratulations. Uh, but <laughs> when I was single sure and, I lived, and I lived alone, I actually had a five-day watch schedule <laughs> where... On each day, I had, truth comes out. I had a show Whoa. on each day where on that day of the week I would watch that show. Uh, at that time, it was Dexter, Orange is the New Black, Bates Motel, Arrow, and The Flash. So on each day, I would watch the show on each week. It and actually doing out. it that way helped me keep track of it because it was like, oh, I know on this day I'm going to watch this show. So I'm just to touch on this five-day, I kind of want to know what your five-day schedule is now that you are engaged. Is it The Bachelorette? This is us. Uh, well, well hold, hold the phone, though. Champ, we all laugh and think it's ridiculous, but, you know, maybe it's ridiculous for streaming shows, but that's not crazy for a normal television watcher. Yeah, You've absolutely. got once-a-week shows, Monday through Friday, and there are actually a lot of people who maybe don't get, you know, don't have streaming shows, who just watch cable, who do watch one show, a different show, five days a week. So anyway, Champ, it sounds like you've changed your... You know, definitely. I mean, I, I think if you just want to keep keep up on watching things, then you kind of have to watch a, a bunch at once, unless you're going to binge watch. Obviously, Netflix, Hulu, Gives stuff like this has given you an ability to be able to binge watch. Um, but one thing that I will say, and how this differs from movies, I will say, because starting a movie and then stopping in the middle, I think, is a no no. I would never encourage someone to do that. And the reason I say that is oh, because no. a movie is is one complete experience where like uh if you're if you're in a show um you know oftentimes you have to wait a week anyway like you said evan so if you're stopping in the middle of a show for example or if you're not watching it completely or if you're watching something else 
it's kind of how it is anyway. So I don't think it has as big of an impact as it would if you were sitting down and watching a movie, which is supposed to be like a two-hour tight experience where you really get lost in the story. What about like multiple series? Like, you know, because I also brought this idea up to my girlfriend as well. I have never watched all Harry Potter movies in a row. Like, not saying That's I can do it in a day. or Massive not, task. Or I'm just saying, but I'm, I haven't even watched them in like one month. Like, just give it... Like, I've never seen The Sorcerer's Stone in the final movie and how the, all of it correlates and watch the progression. Yeah, exactly. I And I've always jumped around or gave up. Well, Evan, we talked about this when we reviewed Infinity War, how you frantically watched yeah. all the Marvel films and you literally watched uh, Thor Ragnarok like right before we went to Infinity War. So, I mean... Did that change your perspective? Of well, I think it helped in getting some of the really subtle nods that Marvel trickles within the film, and you catch on to things and you notice things maybe you wouldn't if it was so fresh in your mind. But I kind of want to weigh in on the TV thing too, guys, because I haven't really done that yet. So just a few weeks ago, I was actually watching five shows at once. All or Nothing, The Dallas Cowboys, Imposters, which you probably don't know. It's one of my wife's shows. Riverdale. The Bachelorette, another one of my wife's shows, and my guilty pleasure, America's Got Talent. Some of those are weekly and happening right now. America's some Got of, Talent. Some of those show. are the shows on Netflix that when you don't have anything else you're watching, you just put it on. But if you pay close attention to my list, and I think there's some nuance in how I do it, it's critical if you're juggling multiple shows, I think they should be distinguishable from each other. Right, so there I've got a sports show, a dumb reality show, a talent contest, a teen drama, and a crime drama. So some of them are really easy watching, but other ones are a little bit more intense. I think it might be challenging if you're watching multiple shows that carry some similarities. You right. said Champ watched Arrow and Flash. Those are two superhero series. I wouldn't want to watch two things that are that similar at the same time. Well, they take place in the same universe, so I think they are related a little bit. Okay. Just that, say that. Okay. Well, that maybe that's true. So one thing I do want to say is I've stashed away one show so I could focus on it very closely. It's the second season of Westworld. Yep. I was a huge fan of the first. It's a more complex, thought-provoking show. So this is my question. If it's a kind of a twisty, turny series with multiple crisscrossing storylines, I think it helps to maybe not binge watch, but watch the series in short order. So like a series like Westworld, I don't want to be watching Westworld and two other shows. You know, you see what I'm getting at? I think there's some so, nuance in what you pick when you watch it and, and how you're, which shows you're juggling. Well, yeah, Sam's over here making fun of me about The Arrow and The Flash. Those are just dumb little comic booky. They're mostly episodic. There's, there's only a few strands <laughs> that go through the entire series and the entire season, whereas Westworld, you need to be paying attention mm -hmm. to every little thing. Game of Thrones, you need to be paying attention to every little thing. But, so I think if you have these little side shows that are sort of just like dumb, guilty pleasures... Yeah. I think let like me, America's me, Got Talent or Bachelorette or something. Darcy Lynn last year. Yeah, last season. she was amazing. She's my favorite. Not, I was an Angelica She'll be at Trevor Hale. City Cherry Fest. I, Shout out if anyone's up north. I was an North. Angelica Hale fan, but okay. Hale, she had the pipes, baby. She'll win, <laughs> she'll win, you know, the voice. But um, I wanted to ask you too. So when you say Westworld and you watch it in like, you know, your short little stints that you said there, does that mean you let the you let the season complete and then you start to watch or do you start when it you know first airs on hbo well no i haven't started it yet when i watched the first season it was after it had already completed so you got and to I watch was, everyone when you wanted you didn't yeah. have that week buffer and it wasn't nearly as long as the actual runtime of the series and and for that show it helped because 
that show is very complex and there's Great a lot. Show. And, and, and I will mention, guys, for most shows now, especially hour long shows, which run usually 45 on like TV, they re rack all the shows. So, like the first minute or two, even like the first three minutes now, in some shows, they recap what happened before to help us. But, um, but how no, way, I, how to get away with murder is notorious for that. Yeah, oh, you have to. That's another one yep. where. Remember, you were complaining because they took several months off or they in do between the, mid the middle of a season. Yeah, the split. That was tough for that show because there's a lot happening and there's a lot you need to stay But I think there's a of. science to it, but I haven't figured it out. Just kind of like my popcorn issue, if it, there's regular or kettle corn mixed at the movie theater, I still haven't asked them yet. What do you guys consider a binge watch? We've all been there. We're watching Netflix, and you know it shames you by by with the digital prompt that says, "Are you still watching?" Yeah, all <laughs> like, uh, like for when you're supposed to have maybe fallen asleep or taken a nap, and you're like, "Click, no, I'm still watching." Why is, are there, you is there, asking, is there you know? too much? I mean, like, what what's like? Say you're one series on Netflix. How many hours is too many hours, guys? Well, I was going to ask Sam that because he said he watched the whole season of Riverdale in like two days. So I was wondering, like. Does that, does, is it, I mean, you answer that question, Sam. Do you think that you comprehended everything? Were you paying attention to everything? Did it help you? Oh, it helped me a lot better than watching the second season. I knew every little thing that was going on, and it was almost like I had to watch it. Like, it, it really took me in. But, I, I mean, I don't know if I have that same feeling with a different show. Like, I think it was, it had to do with, like, How to Get Away with Murder, one of my favorite shows. I've I'm, I'm stated that multiple times. I would do the same with that show, but I think it would help me more with how to get away with murder. Absolutely. But I don't say that I did it because I stayed in, like, that I knew more about the show and that it, it made more sense to me to do it that way. I think I did it because I was so intrigued and so enticed, and I had nothing to do. Well, I, I mean, look, yeah, we're, we all have, well, we do all have jobs now, and mm -hmm. if you have a day off and you can spare several hours, that's fine. We just don't have the time anymore. But I remember when I was in college... My buddy, shout out to Daryl Kuypers, lent me the box set of the first season of Heroes. And I stayed up to like four, like two nights in a row just cranking it yep. out. Because some of these shows are so good and they, they, they specifically and intentionally leave you on such cliffhangers that you're, if you have a box set or Netflix, you want to watch the next one. I'm sure you guys have all stayed up way past when you wanted to because you've gotten hooked to certain shows. Yeah, one more I, show. I just find every, One more episode. I just find every once in a while if I start watching too many episodes in a row, I start to get a little bit bored or it starts to feel a little bit stale where like it's, it's too much of the same thing too quickly and I sort of need that break and respite from so it. So for you, you need the buffer. Yeah, that weak buffer. buffer is perfect. Before we move on to Jurassic World, I just have to just bring up one more thing because I think it's sort of along these lines, and I sort of mentioned it earlier, is the difference between movies and TV and how it relates to this sort of binge-watching sort of thing and, you know, starting and stopping. Like I said, I don't think there's any way that you can justify starting and stopping a movie because it's a complete experience, whereas a show you start and stop. And a couple weeks ago, I interviewed an actress by the name of Tony Trucks. She's... Uh, she was on SEAL Team. She was in The Last Twilight. And I actually asked, she's been in movies and film, and I actually asked her the question, what's the biggest difference between TV and film? And I think her answer was actually quite interesting. And while she's looking at it from an actress perspective, I think it actually sort of applies to us as viewers. And I'm just going to read her response. She said, well, with something like SEAL Team, I'm able to live Lisa Davis's life full out, which I love. Whereas with film, you're basically focusing on a moment in time. The thinking is different too. When I talk about 
time commitment. I'm talking about emotionally as well. I'm living Lisa Davis' life day to day. She'll fall in love, get her heart broken, go on missions. Her relationship with people grows over time. Whereas with a film, the world of that film might be over in a week. It's not any easier. It's just a totally different muscle. So the way that she is acting in short spurts in uh, TV as opposed to throughout you know, a film, I think that can sort of be translated to us as viewers. I, okay. I just think that in 2018 there's a lot of options and there's a lot of things to... And we have to think about these things. If you're a connoisseur of TV and film, you have to think about the way you're watching things and how that's impacting the way that you perceive them and the way that uh, you maybe judge them. So yeah. I think it's a worthwhile conversation. Let us know about how you're sort of how you watch movies. You just binge everything you can. Are you consuming a new show whenever you want? Sam, I know you like to give new shows tries a lot, where I'm a little more hesitant. Let us know what you're watching, your tactics. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't worry about this stuff at all. Anyways, we're curious. So yeah, I mean, comment look, your favorite show. Yeah, I mean, look, you said Sam, you just want to do one show at a time. Champ and I obviously don't do that. So we want to know from the listeners, what do you like to do? Yeah. What works better for you? You can uh, head to our Facebook page and, and leave us a comment. All right, guys, now it's time to get to our featured review, the huge summer blockbuster, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Blue is alive. You raised her. Do these animals deserve the same protections given to other species? Or should they just be left to die? These creatures were here before us. If we're not careful, they're going to be here after. So this 2018 film is directed by J.A. Bayona. It's got your two main stars of the film, Chris Pratt as Owen Grady. Also, Bryce Dallas Howard stars as Claire Deering. Also starring Rafe Spall, Justice Smith, Danielle Pineda, James Cromwell, Toby Jones, Ted Levine, and a couple from the original trilogy, Jeff Goldblum and B.D. Wong. And the plot on IMDb for this film... When the island's dormant volcano begins roaring to life, Owen and Claire mount a campaign to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from this extinction-level event. Of course, this takes place three years after the uh, first Jurassic World, in which a fully established park had been created, and the the creation, the, the super dinosaur got out, and things went crazy. Havoc ensued. Um... And obviously a little context is needed here. The first Jurassic Park trilogy was released in the mid-90s. That reboot, Jurassic World, was released in 2015, 22 years after the original film came out. So this is the second in a second trilogy, and technically the fifth film in the Jurassic Park franchise. So with that context, I'm just going to jump right in, guys. Uh, you know, the first Jurassic Park was a magical film. I mean, awe, wonder... The visual effects in the mid-90s still hold up today. There was that epic score, you know, when the characters look up and see the dinosaurs for the first time. That theme music, easily among the most recognizable over the past 30 years. And then, 22 years later, Jurassic World came out. And with the reboot, the visual effects improved even more. I thought that we actually got to see what, you know, the theme park looked like when it came to fruition we got to see some new dinosaurs. 
It kind of upped the ante. I was a big fan of the reboot. So at this point in the franchise, I think, you know, the fifth film here, guys, the question we have to ask ourselves is, does it bring anything new to the table? That's kind of what weighed heavily on my mind when watching this. Um, and I've got some thoughts on that, but did you guys think about that at all? And did that weigh on what you thought of the film? Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely was wondering, you know, with the, with the premise that you just read, if, you know, Fallen Kingdom, what does that mean? Does that mean that the dinosaurs are going to go extinct? You know, we have that basic premise. So, yes, I was hoping that with this fifth film in the entry, we were going to sort of go in a new direction and take things in a different way. And I think from sort of a setting standpoint and sort of some of the things they did from staging set pieces, I think they did take it in a new direction. Um, but some of the themes, I think, is mostly what you're talking about, Evan, it are very tired you know it's it has to deal with this you know playing god and and whether this is the right thing to do and how should we be treating these animals and these are all things that we've seen reiterated over and over in every jurassic park so far so from that standpoint i'm not sure it did add anything else new yeah. to the franchise that being said i actually like this movie quite a bit uh i think that the dinosaurs look amazing the special effects have just gotten better and better and better they look like they can actually exist uh as part of our human world i think there's a lot of creative and artfully done shots in this movie and that doesn't surprise me with a guy like jay boyona uh, i've only seen one of his other movies and that was from a couple of years ago it was called a monster calls i don't know if you guys saw that movie but it was uh liam neeson voiced sort of this tree monster guy and he was helping this sort of kid who was going through a lot of struggles and it's really artful shots really cleverly done so i think that him replacing colin trevorrow who directed the first film and colin trevorrow serves as a, a writer and a producer on this one i think that him replacing him brought a lot to the table in terms of um how the movie was actually shot and i think that while maybe some of the themes were tired and overused, I think that it brought some nuance in terms of the shots and how the movie actually looked. Yeah. Well, I didn't even answer my own question, but you knew my thoughts going in. So I asked myself, does this film bring anything new to the table? You kind of alluded to it. No, I didn't think it did. I thought especially during the first hour or so on the island, aside from the exploding volcano guys... It seemed like the action scenes, the characters, the ideas, the visual effects, it seemed like that first hour we had seen this movie before. I mean, I, honestly, you've got the glass sphere and they're running in the field and the dinosaurs are running around them. You've got, you know, Owen closing in on the raptor trying to tame her. I'm like, are we watching the, the original Jurassic World? Like, what, what is this? It seemed so familiar and so repetitive. And it did break away from some of that in the second half when we do get a major change in scene and setting and it improved much for me in that second half. But, uh, you know, before we dive too much into spoilers and why I think this, yeah, guys, I just thought it was a really familiar film. It seemed like I had seen most of it before and there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of, you know, interesting ways you could go with this franchise. And I felt like... They didn't try to go anywhere new or different. Sam, what did you think? I went into the movie with like an open mind. I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I watched the you know the um, the commercial or the previews and they're rolling in the ball and the T Rex comes and saves them from the big you know, bigger monster or whatever it wasn't at the 
I forget Indominus, what they call it. Rex. Is yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was like, you know, I wonder what they're going to do, you know. If they showed us that in the in the preview, what are they going to bring to the table to show us something more? Um, <clears throat> I, I agree with your part on it. I really did like the movie, though. I My agree part, with you. Yes. Mean, yeah, just because people don't know names. Yeah. You know. uh, yours here, Listen, Dean, is yeah. that um, in the fact that, yeah, it looked familiar. Like, there's, you know, there's the bad guy, the good guys, and the people that want to make, you know, yeah. it was just like, I don't, you can't say much without, you know, ruining the film, but... Well, I, I do think that the trailer... We should touch on this. The trailer, everyone saw it. All the dinosaurs running, jumping yeah. off the ledge with the volcano exploding. I wish we never would have seen that. That's what Why I Why mean. did they give so much away in the trailer? That just, I, like, I, get, you I thought get, there would be so much more after that. Well, I think there was. There was. There was. Well, yeah, but, but why, why show that? I get you got to get people to go see it, but this is Jurassic Park. People are going to go see this no matter what. You don't need to show us one of the main set pieces in a trailer. And that drove me crazy. And that was one of the only original set pieces in the first half of the film when they're actually on the island. And they gave it all away. I, I think there could have been so much more there. They could have just shown Blue going with Chris Pratt, like you're saying, calming Blue down. That could have been in the preview. Well, give us... There was a few epic shots that I really liked, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but give us those. Something a little bit different. And and I think there's an interesting question at stake, because I'm not going to disagree with Champ. The visual effects here were amazing. But we had a film we watched several episodes back that the story was pretty basic. It was simple. But I loved it, and that was Ready Player One. And the visual effects were amazing in that film, yet they felt new and different, and the approach, it felt creative. And because of that, the story, which we knew there wasn't going to be a great story here in this film, the story in Ready Player One was lacking, but the visual effects were fresh, new, different, and it really boosted the film. With these, the effects are great, but I still feel like they're not... It's not enough of an improvement off of the the Jurassic World three years ago to be that great in my mind. Okay, well, I think we're all in agreement. It's hard to talk about it without spoilers because I think the story does sort yeah. of go in a different direction as it moves on. But one thing I will say before we get to spoilers is I think that uh, J.A. Boyona, and it's not surprising to me, uh, that he, I think he brought a lot more emotion to the table in this movie compared to the original Jurassic World. The original Jurassic World felt pretty much like a straightforward popcorn movie. It literally was like you were going to this theme park with the two kids. Mm -hmm. I think that the emotional depth and the high stakes felt more in this movie. You felt the dinosaurs struggle. You felt for, you more felt, for them. Yeah, you felt for them. You felt the struggles that the people were going through. And I think that that was, you know, part of it has to do with the fact that we're dealing with, you know, the fallen kingdom and dinosaurs are dying. And, you know, so I think that part of it was the story. But I think there was a lot more emotional depth to this story. And it, I felt much more emotionally involved with the story and the characters because of it. Mm -hmm. So I do think that was something that was done much better in this movie. I'd agree to some extent. I think some of it, again, was played out. You know, what, what the first reboot brought us was this new bond between the handler, Owen, and the raptor. And it, that brought forward a lot of emotion. It brought forward that human connection. You see the raptors as little baby raptors. And this was in the last film. And we see this, and it kind of creates that emotion and brings a little heart to the film. I think it's developed in this movie, though. I think that there's much more of it. I think that in the first movie, 
Owen's relationship with the Raptors felt more like a tool. Like he was like teaching them and he was studying them and they were using them for a purpose. And this one, I think Owen's relationship and his complicated sort of development with Blue. One you would have with like a dog. You know, the only reason they get Owen to the island is because Blue is brought up. You know, I think that there's much more emotion and they he tugs on the heartstrings a lot more yeah mm-hmm. i mean i did think that like i said in the last film that was one thing they tried new was creating that bond and i think that they explored it but obviously you feel like they expanded on it quite a bit one so. of my biggest disappointments was that we didn't get to see the island as much as i wish we would have um we were kind of left with the island being destroyed like the island was totally you know overtaken by what we would just say indosaurus rex or whatever that thing was or the other monster well the island was eventually overtaken by the volcano but i'm saying like in the first like what they were hiding in the shops from the t-rex and it saved them in the end of the first one how everything was destroyed all we really you know saw in this one was the old school jurassic park they brought that theme back with that old car right at the beginning of the movie i wish they would have explored the island some more and kind of touched back on the original jurassic world on this is where this happened all right guys uh, obviously we've got a ton that we want to talk about with this and we shouldn't go any further without giving that spoiler warning so now we're going to dive into spoilers for jurassic world fallen kingdom if you've not seen the movie yet and you want to and you don't want to spoil it click out now and then click in at the end of the pod so we wrap things up but champa i'm going to start you you mentioned the creative eye of the director and and what i liked and some of the the pluses and pros in this film had to do with some of what he found I think that was different and unique and creative and I I did think he did find some stuff that added at least something new Um, especially in the second half obviously guys we know that I would say about halfway through the film there's that transition off of the island and into the United States in this castle where the, the dinosaurs are locked up and there were a few scenes in particular that were really cool one was when the uh what was it the Indoraptor, is that how you call it? Yeah, the Indoraptors howling on the rooftop in front of the moon. Great shot. Uh, Also the scene where the Indoraptor's invading the young girl's bedroom. She's in her bed behind her covers. You could see his... The, the raptor's shadow through the the moonlight, you know, on the wall. Like, almost like a boogie monster kidding into her room. That was really cool. Those were engaging scenes. I think it paid some homage to the original Jurassic World with some dark, rainy nighttime scenes. The first Jurassic World, we know there was a lot of that. There was some of that that was really cool. And the second half was much stronger to me because I felt like it brought something different. We go to this castle where they're auctioning off these dinosaurs, and it felt new, at least with what we're looking at. I didn't think the themes were new, and I'll dive into that in a little bit, but... In terms of visually, uh, I finally, in the second half, was like, okay, this is cool, this is different, this is a way to expand upon the visual effects that we haven't seen before. Yeah, there was also the the T-Rex hot, or roaring in front of the volcano exploding, there was the, yeah, the, the shot of the claw reaching out, you had the lion and the See, T-Rex that was roaring cool. at each other, I love that, sort of the two kings of the of their respective yeah, times their respective jungles you know that was cool the the uh, modest mesosaurus the swimming dinosaur swimming mm-hmm. under the wave mm-hmm. as people were swimming these shots were awesome and, and that's Biona. i mean he's he is really has uh if you've seen any of his other films like i said i've only seen a monster calls but i can see how this would happen i was surprised by how much of the movie took place not on the island sam you said you wish you would have seen more of the mm-hmm. island um i don't know if i i'm mad that 
we did we got off the island quickly because I think that's sort of run its course. Every other movie's taking place on the island, except for the end of Lost World, and we won't talk about that because that was terrible. So I do think that they translated the bringing the dinosaur into society much better in this movie than yeah. in the Lost World. Sam, you you felt like you wanted to see more of the island. Tell us a little bit I, about that. I just think it would have built the relationship of when we see I, I don't know her name, but you know Chris Pratt, Owen, and the Owen lady and Claire. And Claire. When, to get to the island, like, you know, they had that, you know, that's where they found their love at first was on the, on the island, you know, and I, I think it was more to, of a one night stand than love, but I give it Well, he left part. her. No, no, are you sure? Yeah, well, he actually, <laughs> He told her to leave and then he, he left. left yeah, yeah. So he left her, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know how that works, but I, he left her. And, uh. I just wanted to see more of the island as in the fact that they left us with, you know, such destruction at the end of that first movie, Jurassic World. And I just think it would have paid, like, a little more homage to Claire itself, like, how, you know, that was her baby. Like, she loved that place. Like, it was, it was, that it was hers. And we would have been able to, you know, relate more to why she wanted to preserve the island and the dinosaurs if we were able to see more of what, you know, she built and like the two there's two points that really like drive it for me um a i really don't i really wish that they wouldn't have showed that in the previews the whole everyone jumping off the island um and i think in replace of that they could have you just mentioned it the claw coming out of the you know the prison the cave, like we're locked in there touching the girl that should have been in the previews for me because that's something like what is that that's going to drive me to go yeah. see the movie um, replace the, and then save the whole fallen part where it's the eruption. And another part that really I did not like at all is when she was down there in the control center with the one guy and the monster kind of crawl or the dinosaur crawls in through like the drainage pipe. Um, where was that in the first film? That wasn't their headquarters. Remember, it was a bunch of computers. Um, actually, the BD Wong was actually in there as well, and that's where they run out of. And take yeah. all the like all the, I mean, at, the blood at, at this rate, I don't think they're concerned with continuity. But I, I hate to do this, Sam, because I feel like we disagree every freaking pod. I have to completely disagree. I don't want to see more of the Here's island. No, I don't want to see more of the island because we've seen four freaking movies on an island. And I don't care to see more of it. What I liked about... But that's Jurassic Park. I mean, I know, Jurassic I World. We have a four movies. What I liked about Jurassic World is it showed us what the park looked like when it finally came to fruition. We never saw that in the first trilogy. It was cool. It cre you remember the shot where the, in the, the first Jurassic World where that water monster jumps up out of the water with all yeah, the people Yeah, we see that again. Stands? I know. All that was cool. I don't want to see it again. At this point, this is the fifth film in the franchise. I want something new. And I mean, I obviously I hammered that home in, in the beginning. The themes, all the characters here, they seem so regurgitated. You know, look, some want to protect the dinosaurs, some want to profit off them. The idea of playing God is a constant in this. Don't those seem like really tired themes? Additionally, some of the major storylines. The ultra-intelligent dinosaurs. We saw that in Jurassic Park 3. Creating an ultimate dino. We saw that in Jurassic World. Also the bond between humans and dinos, which you liked it, obviously, but I thought we saw that already. So I just thought that it was, you know, until we got to the castle about halfway in 
It just felt like I had literally seen it all before. And I, and, and that's fine, Sam. Like, I just don't want but to the, see the island. I, I have to agree with you that I think it was better once they got off the island because we have seen that. But when you're criticizing some about some of the things we've seen before, I think those are deliberate tributes to the original film. When they get to the island, they look up at the Brachiosaurus. That's straight out of the shot of the first one. When they, with the dinoramas that are in the mansion, we, that's a shot out of the first one. Uh, pulling the dumbwaiter down to get in the elevator, that's straight from the first one when the girl's in the yeah. oven. Uh, you know, the eye close-ups, the amber staff that smashes, the claws tapping on the floor, the guys yelling, shoot her! I love these tributes to the original movie. And maybe they're not, you know, new and fresh, but I like that they're keeping that in consciousness. Let's. I, yeah. I just want to move on to something else here before we... The, the bad well, guys, you I... talk about, but you talk about generic character types. The bad guy's obviously generic, and it was obvious that one of those guys, the Mills guy, we knew he was going to be bad, or else why else would he be in the movie? You knew as but, soon as you saw him. Right, but they reveal the it, like, guy. what, 10, 15 minutes into the movie? So they know it's Half obvious. Hour, yeah. yeah, they know it's obvious. So they're throwing it out there right away. You know, so that, that didn't bother me uh, as much. Let me just touch on real quick about the emotional heartfeltness that I felt like. I felt like this movie did this better than any of the others. One of my main criticisms of the original Jurassic World was that they treated it too much like a monster movie. They treated the dinosaurs like they were all bad and evil and they were just monsters and things and whatever. This movie did a better job of treating them like animals and they're just trying to live. The shot of the the lone Brachiosaurus that's left on the island to succumb to the volcano, I thought that was powerful and devastating i it was heartbreaking when i watched it and i looked around in our theater and there was people who were crying about a cgi dinosaur dying in a volcano and i think that yes it is just like a fake dinosaur but the way that it was shot and it slowly succumbs to the flames it goes up on its hind legs well, it's, it's covered in smoke yeah you it goes up on its it. hind legs and and it and then it dies and that is a direct sort of allusion to the first movie when Ellie and Dr. Grant first see the Brachiosaurus and it goes upon its hind legs. It's symbolism for John Hammond's dream of Jurassic Park dying 25 years later because it is the exact shot. And I think that was just so poignantly and wonderfully done. Yeah, I mean... And that, and really that was the, the key to this that, movie to me was how the emotional depth of it. Yeah, You I, felt for the dinosaurs. That, the I mean, that, that scene was powerful and I, I mean... I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that I was upset with some of the subtle nods to the old films. If you don't have at least one or two shots of character looking up intensely, dinosaur screaming, and then the the the, the score slowly coming up, like you want that, and the amber, you know, the, the mosquito in the amber, like the close up of the eyes, yeah, all those things are subtle. I'm not talking about the subtle nods. I'm just talking about the broader questions and ideas. Those are where I was disappointed. I mean, I already made my point about some of those ideas that I feel like we've, you know, we've seen before. Uh, you know, like you said, the villain was a dead giveaway. The henchmen are, of course, they're idiotic. They only know how to use brute force. And this isn't unusual to an action film, but they only know how to detect the, the good guys when it's convenient for the plot. Um, you know, you have your smart girls, young girls swoop, snooping around, your nerdy guy who's screaming when the dog... It's just like, 
Well, one thing. Give me something new. One here. thing from a character Whoa. standpoint that I was, thought was a little troublesome was Bryce Dallas Howard's character. So uh, I felt like her development just didn't make sense. So in the first movie, right, she looks at the dinosaurs as assets and sort of just like things she can make money off. And I'm glad that that's brought up in the movie. They actually bring that up. They're like, "Hey, you're not any better than us." Um, but. In this movie, at the start of it, she's like this dino crusader for yeah. dino rights. And so, what exactly happened in the first movie when she's running for her life the whole time <laughs> happened to make her change her tune? I just felt like there was a little bit of a yeah. a, a gap in her character development there. And the same thing with uh, Henry Wu, the original Doctor. You know, he's always been sort of like you know the playing God guy who's working. But I've always felt like he felt like he was doing it for the right reasons. He felt like he was trying to do things right. And this one, he's like teaming up with these evil guys. Yeah. And he has no remorse for the dinosaurs at all. And that felt a little out of character, too. So I just felt like there was some issues with sort of characters and continuity. And like I said, maybe they're not concerned about continuity. Well, and, and I, I do want to ask you, Sam, what you thought of the characters right after I make this point. So Chris Pratt, guys. I like Chris Pratt. He's a comedy actor. That's how he started. He's Andy and Parks and Rec great character then he transitions to a comedy hero as peter quill in guardians of the galaxy he's funny but he's a hero and i don't i know jurassic park the franchise isn't known for its humor but it you know it tries to have a sprinkle of jokes like any big budget film maybe like the avengers we thought that was hilarious at times i didn't think this movie was that funny and i'm a huge chris pratt fan and there were jokes there were jokes because i remember thinking they tried to joke there and i didn't laugh Mm -hmm. So I, I was really disappointed in the characters as a whole. Uh, I, look, I don't think characters matter as much. Wait, but I was glad film. that Ian Malcolm showed up at the start and the end. I, I've always uh, liked yeah. him from the original movies. I like that he's sort of giving his spiel of, you know, uh, life finds a way. He's always so wise. Yeah, and dinosaurs will find a way and life finds a way. And and I actually like the symbolism. I think there was some cool symbolism at the end when the Indoraptor gets killed. It actually falls through the glass and is speared by a fossil of a Triceratops. And I think that's very symbolic of sort of like the normal godly uh, natural dinosaurs are going to find a way to survive beyond anything that the humans can do. And, and yes, they need the humans' help to survive in this case, but they're going to they're gonna survive behind this mad scientist creation. And the fact that it is actually killed by, like, the old schoolist of dinosaur that's already a fossil, I think is very symbolic in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I, I yeah, I, I don't, there were some really cool shots that I think did carry some symbolism, especially towards the end of the film. Uh, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about one more thing character-wise before we move on to what else you guys wanted to talk about. <laughs> Most random storyline that didn't fit. We find out the young girl yeah. is actually created A clone. by Lockwood like yeah. the, the dinosaurs were. It was a random twist that was played out like a big twist, but carried no weight other than to... You, act as a plot mechanism to justify why the dinosaurs are released into the United States. Yeah. That was... What was that? Yeah, and the reveal was also terrible. And I, then it was the almost dinosaur like, comes and eats two people and runs by, and then they're done with it. It like, was like a two-sentence reveal. It was even hard to pick up. Like, I had to go back and read, like, wait, did they just say she was a clone? I agree that was clumsy <laughs> and unnecessary yeah. within the story, because they built it up throughout the movie. Yeah, that really what, didn't hit home at all. I, agree. I hated that. I want to talk about the end of the movie. So we find out all the dinosaurs, they get freed, 
and they go out into the world. We talked about the shot with the lion and the T-Rex growling at each other. I do think that is it has set up. There's a planned third I'm movie. Excited. I do think that it's set up pretty good for a pretty interesting third movie. Because we haven't actually fully seen that in a Jurassic Park movie where the humans and the dinosaurs actually have to coexist. And I do think that is a really interesting idea that that could uh, bring some cool things. I think that the movie could benefit from taking a sort of route that, like, the Planet of the Apes, re- Apes reboot just uh, came out with, where, like, there's big gaps in between each of the movies, and we sort of see how the impact plays out. So I think that a, a time jump, maybe, for the next movie maybe might work well, where, like, this is already, they've already had to coexist for 10 years or so, and we see how that's working out. Or, like, where they're, like, pets and stuff? Right, or who knows? Yeah. They've had to coexist for a while. I think that that could bring up some really, really interesting yeah. things. And, Evan, you talk about how we've seen things that are played out. This next movie, I think, could bring something really different to the table. What and, about the clones, too, though? We can't leave that idea out. Well, yeah, that's going to be part of it. We obviously know that's coming into the next film. So I've got actually a lot to say on, like, the last five minutes because you guys have heard me all pod harp on how we haven't seen anything new. I absolutely loved the last five minutes of this because I think it sets the stage for something we've never seen. Why are we just now in the sixth film in the Jurassic Park franchise exploring what it would be like if the the dinosaurs actually made their way into the real world? Why is this an idea we've not had until now? I'm so happy that this is happening. And three of the best scenes, in my opinion, in the entire film happened in the last five minutes. You talked about it, Champ. You've got the massive water dinosaur below the the huge wave where they're surfing. You've got the the T-Rex roaring at the lion. And you've got Blue looking out over a subdivision. Like, my mind was turning. I'm, like, really excited. You know, I think the film sets up the third for something way different. We've never actually seen that before. They tried to Um, do it in The Lost World by bringing the T-Rex over. But that was just more like campy Godzilla, King Kong-y, rather than actually trying to integrate. So what I'm excited to, to, to... see guys is like how can dinosaurs fit in in the real world can humans coexist it's like are Mel- they pets it's like know? malcolm says in his closing yeah. monologue they're here now we have to live with them now this is the new normal we're in a new era exactly he says all these things and that's really interesting before we close this out and give sort of our final thoughts i want to ask you guys the title of this movie is jurassic world fallen kingdom obviously the the first thing that comes to mind is that the dinosaurs world is over the island is the fallen kingdom do we think that the fallen kingdom is actually our world as humans or is it sort of a double meaning i don't think so not yet because we haven't seen that happen yet do you guys know that it's a new status quo it's a new norm the kingdom as we know it is not the same maybe so i think that it could be a little bit of a a double meaning do we know just the title for the third no it's just Jurassic park three right now okay i'm sure we'll get one eventually Anyways, just yeah. something to chew on. Uh, anyways, let's uh, we're running here a little bit long, so let's get our final sort of says on this. Sam, just go ahead. Lead us off. Uh, long story short, I thought it was fine. Again, I, I hold true to my point, even though Dean always finds a way to, to cut me at the knees. But I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time because it's the same in fantasy. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, no, ultimately, I think that, like, in my stance of defense there, that if it's if it's not broke, why fix it? And I think, like, the Jurassic Park, it's the world. It's like taking the lion out of the jungle. If we brought a lion and put him in Colorado, it just wouldn't fit. It doesn't, it doesn't place well. Um, the, the lion belongs in the jungle, and I think the T-Rex belongs in, in Jurassic Park. That's where 
Lockwood wanted it. You know, that was his dream. That's where the T-Rex the grew up and became to live. And, like, we were displacing it from its home. We're almost taking it, you know, that big sea monster and putting it in SeaWorld. Um, you're displacing it. Yeah, they get to roam. Let them find a way to roam on their own. Anyway, it was a good movie. It was great. It, you know, they did a lot with it. Obviously, it brings new elements to the whole film and to what they can do in the third one. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how we can relate with dinosaurs because no one's ever had to do it before, and there's no, there's nothing um, before to show that people actually did live. Even cavemen live with the dinosaurs. Um, for me, it was I didn't like it as much as Jurassic. Well, I can't say that. I would probably they 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 were hand in hand with me. Um, I didn't like some things in this one, but I also didn't like some things in Jurassic World as well. Um, seven and a half, seven for me. I'll go on the lower end. Yeah, um, obviously I was more critical of this film than, than you guys. Um, everything that I was hoping this could be and maybe will, would be was hinted at for the third. Uh, I thought this film felt totally unoriginal. There were a few cool artistic shots. We talked about those. Uh, especially in the second half, but I thought the themes, the characters, the ideas were all so played out. And as sometimes happens in trilogies, it felt like a bridge film. You've got Jurassic World, and then you've got the bridge, kind of the middle film, to something way different. And I think the third film, we're going to get something different. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But the fact that they're going to try something new will be exciting. Um, it was pretty forgettable. I think I went in with too high of expectations after the first Jurassic World, and uh, because of that, it, it it seemed far too familiar. I gave it a six. I think this movie was way better than the original Jurassic World. That movie was, it, you talk about how things were the same. That movie was the same too, other than the fact that we actually got to see the park come to fruition. But I think the plot in that movie was just awful. The way things happened were terrible. Sure, it was great visually, this movie has so much more depth and heart, in my opinion. I think that we actually care about the dinosaurs. We care more about the characters. We care more about what happens to everyone. It looks amazing. J.A. Bayona brings way more uh, complicated and, and uh, unique shots to the table in this one. The dinosaurs look amazing. I like that they brought it off the island fairly early in the movie and we kind of got to see the start of the dinosaurs integrating into society. I think it set it up well for the third one. I agree that the middle movie sometimes is the hardest one to sort of try and make happen. Uh, but I actually like this movie a lot. Yeah, some of the themes were tired, but I think that they were uh, developed on more. And yes, these original themes were from the original trilogy. This is a reboot. So yes, it is the same series, but it's a reboot. So I think that you have to sort of reevaluate where they're played in. And I think they expanded on things that we saw in Jurassic World 3 and The Lost World. Uh, I think this movie was better than the first uh, Jurassic World. Um, so I gave it a 7 out of 10. Well, there you have it. We've got some differing opinions. Uh, nonetheless, I think we're all excited to see where they go with this final final film in what's probably going to be the end of the Jurassic Park franchise. But, uh, of course, we appreciate you listening in, and there's a whole lot of ways to connect. Sam, you made us business cards, but there's also digital ways. Oh, yeah. Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, Gmail, web pages. You know, soon to come, a balloon flying high like the Goodyear blimp. Um, the electric day, forest. Second day film podcast blimp is in me. In the works. In the works. 
Anyways, we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah. Send us a note. Uh, we'll probably put a couple polls up there later. we still got some big summer blockbuster movies coming, which we're excited for. And then, of course, the holiday films and the uh, Academy Award. This one we're going to start getting a little bit more nerdy in those. But we'll keep putting out podcasts. We've got busy summer schedules. Um, but like we said, we appreciate everyone who's listening, um, and we appreciate everyone who interacts with us on social media. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>